Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Horror Fiends podcast. This is episode 16, and today we will be talking about Saw 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yay! Joined, joined today by the one and only John. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Chris? Doing very well. Got a very exciting weekend ahead of us. A lot to talk about in this episode, too. Um, oh, yes. We'll jump uh, into that in a little bit. Some housekeeping first. So Sauce will not be joining us for today's recording. He has once again come down with the suds. He's not feeling well. And he has alleged that going to the Bills game this past Sunday has caused him to not feel well, being outside for a long time in the cold. We'll do that to people. John, you were there with him, and you're here with us today. I was also at the game, and I'm here today. So yeah. um, I guess we're just stronger men than Sauce. Yeah, so. we're just built different, unfortunately. Uh, Sauce has uh, unfortunately blamed uh, how scared he was of Saw 2, and uh, he just can't talk about this movie. He's actually fine. I have reason to believe that this movie just terrified him to the bone, and he can't even think to talk about it at this moment, unfortunately. Um, See, John, I know you're capping because Sauce and I love the Saw series, so I know it's killing him on the inside to not be here with us today, and we miss him. So, um, no, Sauce is definitely under the weather, and we wish him the best and a speedy recovery. But I still am just, you know, not very fond of his uh, reasoning that he got a cold from the Bills game, given that I was at the Bills game, and I got to that game around 9 a.m., and that is six (laughs) hours before kickoff. I then went into the game with no jacket. I left my jacket in my truck. So I had a jersey over a hoodie, and that's about it. And I made it out fine. So I had a great time at the game, regardless of the result. Football season is essentially over. I don't care about the championship games or the Super Bowl. I'll still probably watch. Um, Yeah, that was obviously a fun day for me until the end of it. Did you guys have a good time at the game? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, uh, the tailgate was cool. Um, It just, the game itself just left the a very foul taste in my mouth and uh it was just it was very bipolar experience with tailgate being great and going into the game with expectations through the roof and then leaving the game and it was just a fucking bummer probably the biggest bummer i've ever left a stadium like the vibe was just terrible when i left that game um but luckily david lib bowsman is here to cheer us up with all jigsaw's wacky and crazy antics that he's doing all over again uh, before we get into that, you mentioned leaving the game. I actually left the game right at the start of the fourth quarter. That's how fucking bad it was. I went down to yeah. get a burger, ate my burger, and the people I was there with said, you know, this game sucks, and if we come back, great. If not, we're going to get home and beat the traffic. So that's what we did, and yeah. I don't regret that decision. So maybe that's why I didn't get sick because I left 20 minutes early, whatever, but that game was fucking over before the fourth no, quarter we, started. We all left about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And we called it after a turnover on downs and we we're like, all right, time to get out of here. Yep. Did you beat so, the traffic? Um, we did, I would say, like barely, just barely beat traffic. I mean, we were stuck there waiting for people to get out of the lot for a good like ten minutes, but the the, the actual drive out of there, the roads weren't terrible just yet. They were getting terrible though. So I would say kind of, but eh, not really. That, that's the key is you got to get out of the lot because once you get stuck in the lot, that's where you're going to be stuck for an yeah. hour. So. Yeah, we were indeed um, stuck in the lot. That was my third week in a row going to a Bills tailgate. And as much as I would have liked to continue on and root for the team, there was no home games left anyway. So I had a little bit of fatigue. I long couple weeks of partying in that tailgate. So 
Um, Kind of off my bullshit for now. I'm taking it easy for a bit. So more time to focus on some spooky things. Right. We definitely do have more time for spooky spooks and goose because it's been a bit of a, of a lag getting out the last two episodes, but we're kind of chalking that up to a little bit of craziness with football. Some people were feeling under the weather at various different points. Some people were out of town at different points. Holidays. Uh, I think we talked about this in the bonus episode and the holidays, but I think now we should be returning back to a, a fairly consistent schedule. So yep. if you've been missing out on the four fiends podcast, it will start to flow back in their normal rates. Yep. So thank ready, you for people. hanging around. We appreciate you. And yeah, we're back. We're going to be full swing episode every week, recording every week and really trying to push out these episodes because you know you want to listen. So yeah, a lot of spooky things to look forward to, specifically uh, a couple of movies coming out. Tonight is actually the premiere of a movie that I'm excited about, and that is Infinity Pool um, by the same director of Possessor Uncut. I very much like that movie, and this movie looks ridiculous from the graphic images that are popping up in my Twitter feed. So um, can't wait to go see that one. There's another one by the title of Simply Fear. I don't know much about, but I saw that one as well. And um, hopefully those movies will be uh, talked about on this show more in the near future. Oh, yeah. Those will be uh, entrance into the, the Marvel Fool, no doubt about it. We'll get those in there. I'd almost say they might have to fall onto the poll. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but yep. we're switching up our uh, movie selection a little bit. We're starting to introduce polls that our listeners can participate in and have some input into the next movie that we talk about. And I'll reveal what that movie is for next week uh, at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. Yes, sir. A couple of bangers that were in that poll too. So I'm excited yep. to talk about what it, what actually won. Wish we could talk about both, but only one was the winner. Yes, and it Way was a two. fucking landslide. But that's for episode 17. This is episode 16, and it is Saw 2. So before we get into talk about the movie, John, you want to talk about the movie poster real quick? Yeah, sure. So... There's a little bit of controversy with this one. Depending on which movie poster you're looking at, you might be looking at one with a guy, a couple of fingers, holding the peace sign up, because this movie is very uh, peace-centric. Or you might be looking at a different one, which is actually on the IMDb page, which is actually a much more, I guess, what what would you say, more rounded out poster, a little more full or official looking, I guess. A little darker. Um, Yeah, it's a little darker, but... Either way, um, this one is mostly of your boy, Billy the Puppet. We basically are looking at just his face. And uh, right next to it are, or below him, I should say, he's got a little, he's got this little spiral tattoo on his face and he's got his red eye and he's all grainy and black looking, he's dirty. And then uh, we see the text saw and, uh, Next to that are the two fingers that are, appear to be severed, I guess, right? I assume those are severed, but those fingernails are absolutely fucking filthy and disgusting and should probably clip them, but they don't look good. And uh, I don't know. There's some bad vibes with this one, and there's a, there's a little tagline right beneath it, depending on which poster you're looking at. But the one I'm looking at says, oh, yes, there will be blood, uh, which is kind of a, a cool poster, I have to say. But if you're looking at a different one, it may just be one where you just have two fingers in the, the text that says saw. Very similar to the first movie poster. Um, so either way, we're going to be scoring the one with the Billy Puppet. So I'm thinking right away, I think it's okay. Um, I think it's a little better than the first one, in my opinion. 
because I like Billy the Puppet. Um, but in general, I think it's just all right. I mean, I think those fingers are just disgusting to look at. And uh, I can't say I'm a huge fan of it. So I'm thinking that I'm going to give this one like a... Let me see what I gave the first one, because this one is certainly a bit better than that. Um, let's take a gander here. I gave that one a 2.5. I'm going to give this one a 2.7. What are you thinking, Chris? That's fair. Um, I thought you were going to give it a straight two for the two fingers on the poster, but you know, I'm <laughs> glad you went a little higher. Um, I'm going to give it a 3.3. Three. Um, okay. You've said most of what you need to, what needs to be said about this movie poster. I do like the tagline, though. I'm a sucker for that. And, yeah, it's much better than the very basic Saw movie posters that they pretty much have for Saw 1 through whatever. You know, right. it's just white background, the saw, the Roman numerals, and then some type of, you know, disembodied body part or whatever, dismembered, you know, appendages. So yep. I like this one. Um, I like the the black one more than just the typical saw poster. And yep. anytime you get to see the jigsaw puppet is good. There actually wasn't very much of them in this movie. So at least he's on the poster. Yeah, I agree. So that gives us an aggregate between the two of us, a 3.0. Um, we'll, we'll get saucer score a little bit later. Um, and we'll get a true aggregate for this for the thing, but eh, this one's okay. This one's just above average. Yep. Um, so yeah, that takes care of the official poster segment. Um, yep. John, you mentioned there we'll get Sauce's score on the poster later, as well as his thoughts on the movie in general, favorite scenes, villain, all that stuff, and his movie score. So we're gonna leave a space for him at the end when John and I are giving our scores, and that's where we'll we'll cut in Sauce's audio. So correct. Stay tuned for that. Quick spoiler alert, if you have not seen Saw 2, I'm about to spoil it for you, so go watch the movie, it's a good one, and once you watch it, listen to us, and then go listen to all of our other episodes, and then follow us on Instagram, Yes, in that order. Um, listen to the Saw 1 episode too, if you haven't already, if this is uh, if you're new to the, to the show, we have already recorded an episode on Saw number 1, I believe that's like episode 12? 10. 10. Episode 10. Yeah. Yep, it was the last one of the first time. 10, correct. Yep. So yeah, listen to that. Um, if you want to hear our our thoughts on that first one, um, you could see uh, basically that I am kind of like the, the odd man out of the three of us in terms of that first one. So um, I'm curious what the, what you think of this one. Um, what? How many times have you seen this one before? If you were to, do you know, John, I know this is uh, your first watch, like it is for all the Saw movies. For myself, right. I did some thinking. I think this would be at least the fourth time I've seen this movie. Um, I think I said this in the first Saw episode that I think this was the first Saw movie I saw was Saw 2 way, okay. way back when. So, um, yeah, I've seen this one quite a few times. It's one of my favorite in the series. Okay. I will say that I have seen, um, like, there was like a clip of this that somehow or another when I was younger I saw. Um, it, it was the needle segment, but um, we'll get to that once we get there. But I have, um, I have when I saw that scene, it triggered something. I've definitely seen that before. Um, but I have not seen anything else regarding this one. So yep. fresh wash and for me, definitely a repeat watch for you. Yep. When did you, you say fresh watch. When did you watch this though? We're recording this on uh, the 26th yeah. of January. I must've watched this on the 13th. So this was Ooh. a little over two weeks ago. Yep. About Basically two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. Yep. Yeah. So it's not exactly fresh in my mind, but I do have a pretty good grasp of everything that happened. Good. Of course you should. Uh, I watched it again today, so I'm, I'm very fresh with it. And okay. um, 
here to spoil it for you. So again, spoiler alert ahead. Here we go. Saw 2, 2005. So this was released one year after the original Saw. And actually a different director on it, but the same writer. So the writer was Lee Winnell, who played Adam in the first movie. And the director in this movie is Darren Lynn Bowsman, um, who also helped write the movie. And it was produced and distributed by Lionsgate, as well as Twisted Pictures. And if you want to sit down and watch it, take you about 93 minutes, according to IMDb. I think that's um, one of the shorter run times, not mistaken. Actually, very short run time, uh, comparatively to some other movies we've reviewed. And yep. I'm always a fan of shorter movies. This one, pretty good pace to it as well. It gets kind of right into it. There's not too much downtime, so I like that. So... Uh, we'll do the budget and all that stuff at the end. Yeah. Let's talk about this movie and what the fuck happens in it. So you get, you get what you would expect out of a Saw movie. You get your motion blur camera shots, quick cuts. You get your metal music montage, car chases, and a whole lot of nefarious schemes by the Jigsaw killer. So, you know, you get what you're, what you're paying for when you go see this one. So as you would expect, it opens up with a classic, jigsaw game guy by the name of michael is in this death trap that's around his head um jigsaw himself describes it in his recording as a somewhat of a venus fly trap it's basically this metal mask with nails on the inside of both sides and you know he's got to unlock this mask in time or else it's going to close around his head the key to the mask is behind his eye so he tries to basically gouge his eye out to get to it doesn't do it as you would expect the mask closes and he dies and we get the title screen. So I, kinda, I think the movie starts off with a bit of a bang. You know, you get your your classic jigsaw scene and, you know, pretty, pretty gruesome death for old Michael here. It's revealed that he's basically an informant. You know, he's kind of a snitch is what they call him. And we'll talk about his connection to our main character in a second. What would you think of that opening scene, John? It, it definitely was in the same style as the reverse bear trap from the first one. Um, it seems like he was that this director really wanted to bring that back. So he started the movie with a scene that was almost very similar in like color and like the background and the setting. Um, I mean, all these, you can tell that this movie and that movie already kind of stylistically are shot the same way and they're going for the same vibe, I think. And it's very clear that there's a, it's a, it's a direct connected to the first. It's not like this is happening in an alternate universe or anything like that. You could tell that it's very based in the same world as the first one. Um, I thought though that it was far more brutal. Like they, this movie, I also just want to say really quick that me and sauce watched the unrated version of saw it. And I'm not sure what was exactly different than the first saw. Like I couldn't exactly distinguish which scene would be in an unrated versus just a regular rated uh, version um but either way i think like this one was definitely pretty brutal with um like the difficulty of this task seemed like far more difficult with this opening guy michael than anything any of the traps in the first one like to me this one like this guy didn't stand a chance like with gouging out his own eye and getting a key behind it that that seemed pretty freaking impossible to me uh um, yeah he basically scratches himself a few times, then just gives up and yeah. dies. So he yeah, didn't really I, try that hard. I for sure uh, agree with this. Like you said, it's obviously he didn't do that. I think me and Sauce, we watched that one together, and we were like, "Yeah, I don't blame that guy for just not doing it." Um, <laughs> so, 
yeah, I don't know. The opening scene was definitely more gruesome is kind of like my my quick notes on it than, than anything yep. in the first. So it set the tone a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that you guys watched the unrated. That came up in our group chat. Now, did you guys just rent it on Prime? Is that how you got the unrated? Yes, yeah. So both versions ah. were available um, on Amazon. And we figured, well, let's just see what the unrated is all about. Generally, those are seemingly what the director wanted, but the studio or the production company didn't want all of that in there. So they cut it. Um, but having never seen the original before, I'm unsure as to which scenes were left out of the, the original watch well, theatrical release. John, we might be able to figure that out through this episode because I did not watch the unrated. I know I told you guys to watch the unrated, but I realized that the original version or the rated version is on Hulu for free. So I saved myself a couple bucks and ah, opted for okay. the, the rated version. So hopefully you can kind of pick up on some things that you might've seen that I haven't. We could talk yeah. about them, but yeah. it's probably not too major of a difference. It's the same plot. So yep. let's talk about that. Um, so yeah, we get the quick opening scene of Michael dying. It's kind of revealed that he's an informant to the police and uh, we're next uh, introduced to our main character. His name is Detective Eric Matthews and he's your stereotypical cop from the early 2000s, you know, or I really should say detective because he's not like your uniform cop. He's a detective. He's got, um, you know, the suit coat on with a loose tie. His hair is disheveled. He's holding a coffee all the time, smoking cigarettes. You know, he's down bad. He's going through a divorce with his wife. His son hates him. So just yep, shitty you know, dad. Eric, yeah. Eric's not having a great time right now. And that's about how they portray every detective in one of these shows. So we're, we're shown Eric who is basically bailing his son out. Not really. He's not in jail, but he was like arrested for stealing from this place and he's being held. So Eric kind of signs him out, gets him out of there. And we kind of are showing again right away that there's not a good relationship between Eric and his son, Danny. Danny's like a, looks like a 17 year old troublemaker. You know, probably not in college yet, but he's just kind of a a kid who who needs to find a way in his life, and his dad's not helping him. Once we see that, we basically see a confrontation between the two of them, and Danny runs off, and it's shown that you know Eric doesn't know where he is, so he's supposed to have his son, but his son just kind of ran off. And then Eric then responds to the scene of the crime where Michael died in the jigsaw trap, and there's a writing on the ceiling that calls Eric Matthews out by name, and it says look closer detective Matthews or something like that. So jigsaw killer is clearly targeting detective Matthews for some reason. So, you know, it's, it's, and it's clear through these first couple scenes that, like you said, John, they're, they're basing this directly off of and right after the events of saw one. So, you know, rolls right into the saw two. Right. Um, and then like Eric in his sleep basically gets a, a vision and a lead in his head that he figures out he's got to go to this old steel mill factory because that was uh, on the the trap that Michael was in. So tells the SWAT team they all go up there, gear up, and breach into this old factory. And the SWAT team goes ahead. They you know, Jigsaw puppet appears on the tricycle. Very good scene. And then a trap goes off for, like, this one SWAT guy just gets his legs absolutely broken in half, and the other two that are in there with him get, like, shocked by this electrical cage. So just kind of like a, a pointless trap scene like we would see in the original Saw yeah. movie where they kind of stumble upon his lair and it's booby trapped all over. So, kind of a tame uh, trap, if I may say so myself. Even though it destroyed that dude's shins, but yeah, it's kind of unnecessary to throw in there. Yeah, for for Jigsaw, that was kind of I don't know. Didn't really mesh with the 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 brutality of the Venus flytrap. No, 
Um, so the the SWAT team kind of gets past that booby trap. They continue on, and they realize they've walked right into Jigsaw's lair. And they see John Kramer. He's in a chair behind a desk. He's not looking good. He's got an IV hooked up to him, medicine all around him. His skin's pale. You know, as you remember, John Kramer, the Jigsaw killer, he has inoperable brain cancer or some form of cancer. So, you know, he's, he's clearly feeling the effects of that cancer on his body. And he basically shows the SWAT people that, you know, there's a couple of screens on the other side of the room. And on those screens, you can see eight people that are trapped in a house together. And one of those people is Detective Matthews' son, Danny. So Danny boy. Quick little rundown of the cast of characters we've got in this house that's trapped together. Because basically from this point on in the movie, we're either in the house following these eight people around or we're in um, Jigsaw's lair with the cops and Jigsaw going back and forth. So, um, like I said, eight people. Danny. There's another guy, Xavier, who is like this big muscle-bound dude. He's got a tank top on. You know, he's, he's basically described or shown as to be like a guy who's in and out of prison. Big tough guy. There's like this Roy junkie, yeah, type of looking um, dude. There is a guy by the name of Jonas, who's this black guy. Also revealed that he's been in and out of jail, and you know, not much else about him yet. Uh, there's uh, basically a big fat lawyer looking guy. They don't. I don't think they ever name him John. Do you know what his name is? Nope. Okay, so I had a, a look in the credits after. Look it up. His name is apparently Gus. Um, this guy serves <laughs> nothing to the movie other than dying very soon. We'll get to that. I've got a couple ideas about Mr. Gus. I'll, I'm sure you do. Um, there's another male in this group of eight. His name is Obi. It's revealed. He's a really sketchy looking dude. Kind of looks. He looks like a heroin like a, addict. Yeah, like a meth head, heroin addict, drug dealer guy. He's got his hood up, you know, short buzz cut hair, older looking. Um, then there's three females in there. Uh, one of them they never name, but her name is actually Addison. I'm guessing you didn't know her name, right, John? Uh, was she the blonde? Uh, there was like there was Laura the blonde who kind of looks like a nurse. Kind of got some yeah, things yeah, going on throughout the whole movie. Okay, no, no not her. Okay, that's yeah. who I thought Addison was. Which one was Addison? Addison was wearing like a pink top, just brunette character. Um, oh, they don't name her at all during the movie. Okay, and the final character to wake up in that room is Amanda. And if you remember Amanda from the first movie, she was the only character to survive one of Jigsaw's traps, and she basically just gets questioned by the cops for a little bit, and that's all you see of her in the first movie. Well, so. they, they make it out to be like, you're not supposed to recognize her right away because she Correct. changed her hair, and it's a bit of a reveal when you find out that's who that is. Correct. Um, but yeah, yeah, you don't really know any of these characters' names until much later, uh, like as they move on through the movie. So they're kind of just a bunch of people. Exactly. They're, they're nameless people other than Danny. We only know him. And on that bunch of strangers, they're all kind of introduced as sketchy characters. Laura's the only one who stands out. She kind of looks like a nurse. And Amanda herself kind of almost has, like, scrubs on. So they, they don't really fit the bill except for Amanda wakes up very frantically. Yeah. And she immediately starts looking around the room for clues. Kind of, you know, she kind of realizes what she's in pretty quickly that, oh, my God, I'm back in another jigsaw trap. And she starts, like, digging through the wall, finds a loose brick. And there's a tape in there as well as a key that falls out. They play the tape. Jigsaw voice telling them that they're in a game and he says that they're all trapped in a house. There's poisonous gas that's in the house and they only have two hours to live or else they will die from the gas. Um, the doors to the house open in three hours though. So if somehow they managed to get to three hours, I guess they would have walked out of there and 
they got to find antidote. There's eight antidotes hidden around the house that will save them from dying from the gas. So that is essentially their their goal of this game. And they also says in this room, and you can see it on screen, that there's this big black safe. And Jigsaw says there's one antidote in there, and there's a combination code. They all know the code. It's in the back of their mind. They just got to figure it out type of deal. So very wordplay e of him to just kind of like tell them that there's a code in the back of their mind. We'll get there later. So that is what we got going on in the house. And the key that they find in the wall, uh, old Gussie boy decides to try it on the door to the room that they're in. They're trapped in this room. And as he turns the key, there is a revolver on the other side of the door that immediately blasts him right in the head and he dies then and there. So Gus has about two lines. He tries to open the door and it gets his head blown off. Yeah, he gets about exactly 45 seconds of screen time before he's yeah. blasted. Yep. So that's our intro to the Jigsaw game inside the house and the now seven characters who are remaining. <laughs> um, they go back to Jigsaw's lair and Kramer basically says he wants to talk to Detective Eric Matthews alone. And he tells Eric that he wants to play a game with him. And the rules are simple. He just wants Eric to sit there and listen and talk to him. So that's kind of the other dynamic as the game's going on in the house is that Jigsaw is there talking to the detective, trying to do whatever to him, you know, manipulate him in some sort of way. So we go back to the house. The door just kind of all of a sudden magically opens on its own, probably on a timer or something. And the seven people left just go out the room and start exploring the rest of the house. They find uh, a kind of a hidden door that takes them down into the basement. And in the basement, they find a dead guy with a knife in his chest that is holding up a tape. And this tape is intended for the character Obi. And Obi, it is revealed, actually helped the Jigsaw Killer kidnap the others and bring them into this house. So they all kind of start freaking out at him. They threaten to kill him. But they realize that Obi has to complete his part of the game, which is to go into this kind of almost cremation furnace looking device. And there's two antidotes hanging up in the, the top of that. So he's got to crawl in there, grab them. And, you know, then he has two antidotes, to one for himself, one for somebody else. As he crawls in, door shuts behind him, fire starts inside the furnace and he gets burned alive along with the antidotes. So, you know, nothing happens essentially other than Obi dying and yep. it's revealed that he helped get him there. So, yep. That's our, our first kind of trap death scene out of this group. They go back to the lair real quick, kind of show that there's some power struggle between the two different cop groups that are there. There's the SWAT team and then the detectives. And Kramer's basically giving his backstory to Eric, talking to him, and Eric's just getting impatient. And they show on the screen here that there's one hour to go now. So there was two hours originally. Now they're down to one hour left to, to get out of there before they die of the poison. Back in the house... Um, Xavier, the big muscle guy, he busts through a door into another trap room. They all go in there and they find a tape that says that has his name on it. And it reveals that he's like a drug dealer and he's burned people in the past. Or no, that was the they said he whatever about him. He's a drug dealer. He's kind of done yeah. bad things to people. Yeah. So the, what he has to do is he's got to go into this pit of used, disgusting looking needles. And in that pile of needles, there is a key that will open a door at the other side of the room and they got three minutes to do it or else that door will lock forever. And you can assume that door will get them out or something. Who knows? We never know what's going to be on the other side of the door because they, uh, as you would expect, do not complete it in time. But Xavier basically just picks up Amanda and tosses her right into this pile of needles. And it's like, here, bitch, you go and find the key in there. 
She starts digging around, you know, really unsettling scene because she just got a bunch of needles stabbed in her and like she's yep. got to sift through them. She finds it too late, though. Like he, he kind of fumbles the key as he's trying to put it in and the door locks. So there doesn't work. I can't believe she found that fucking the one needle in there that had it like another to me, almost a seemingly impossible task. Yeah, this this one was really ridiculous because by the time they listen to the recording for Xavier, there's literally a minute left. So he tosses yeah. her in with a minute to go and she's somehow able to find it. Yeah, yeah. I would say borderline impossible. I mean, never find out what was the reward had they have gotten that up in time either, which irked me a little bit. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Was that something that was established? Me and Sauce were not sure when we were watching it together. Do you remember no. what the reward was other than this random door being able to open? Yep, I don't recall that there was a specific reward. You would think that'd be like, okay, you open this door and there's an antidote in there or two yeah. or whatever. But it's almost implied that like if they completed that one, the door just opens and they leave, which would obviously right. make no sense. So yeah, that one no. t- kind of weird how they just kind of left that open-ended. Like that one clearly was designed to never be succeeded. Yeah, I, I don't know because I'm was i like, okay, so they failed. What's the punishment here? And I'm like, oh, this is the rare one where I guess there is no punishment. I guess you just don't get the reward. So this one was a little right. bit different in terms of like the, how Jigsaw usually does this trap. Usually if you don't do it, what he wants you to do or beat the game, then you either just, you usually just die. And there was no penalty right. for this one. So I was, I, I just wanted to clear that up. I wasn't super sure. So I think with all these traps within the house, the reward is you get the antidote and the punishment is you don't. That's kind of the only way you can yeah. look at it. Yeah. They're basically little, little mini games within the the real game. Yep. So after this, you know, after Xavier basically tosses Amanda into the pit, everyone's like, what the fuck, dude? And he just decides, like, fuck this, fuck you people. I'm going to go and figure this out on my own and get out of here on my own. So Xavier's now going rogue. They they go back to the lair real quick, and this is where John Kramer reveals that all of the people in the house that are in there with his son Danny are people that Eric Matthews has arrested and put away. And it's revealed that most of these people was kind of like dirty cop work. He might have planted evidence or done things the wrong way to get these people put away. And it's also shown that there's now 30 minutes to go after this needle scene. Um, Back at the house, Xavier's rogue. So he goes back to the first room trying to figure out the safe thing. Realizes the the wordplay in the message was the code is in the back of your mind. There's a number written on the back of each person's head that will produce the safe combination. And uh, Xavier's the first one to realize this. So there's the dead body of Gus. He takes that number. The character Jonas comes to confront him and say, hey, man. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. How did, how did uh, Gus die? I already said that. He got his head blown off. Oh, correct. Okay, I'm confusing Gus and uh, Jonas. the dude he gets into a fight with, yeah. Xavier. Yep. That dude's so, name is Jonas, right? Okay, got it. Right, so My Jonas bad. is the black guy who comes in. He's like, hey, man, we've both served time. Like, instead of fighting with each other, let's put our heads together and figure out a way to get out of this. And Xavier's like, nah, I'm, I don't work with anybody. He tells Jonas to turn around because he's trying to get the number off the back of his head. And Jonas is like, what the fuck? No, I'm not doing that. I think he's going to, like, whack him in the head or something. So they get into a fist fight. They're going back and forth. Jonas kind of gets the upper hand but turns his back to him. And Xavier just grabs his bat that's full of nails, which is the most, like, 2000s weapon ever created, which is just a wooden <laughs> bat with a bunch of nails sticking out of it. I kind of like that they threw it in this movie and just... Like a Nazi zombies weapon. Yeah, he just basically scalps Jonas with it, bludgeons him in the back of the head, and Jonas is now dead. So Eric has acquired two of the numbers necessary, and he 
really, he basically decides to go out hunting down the rest of the people to try to get the rest of the numbers. This is kind of where you also start to see a lot of the characters aren't doing well. Like, like I said, there's 30 minutes to go now, according to the clock in Jigsaw's lair. People are coughing up blood. They're kind of stumbling around. So the poison's definitely affecting them now. Um, so after Xavier kills Jonas, you see the remaining characters of Danny, Laura, Amanda, and Addison. Laura kind of collapses to the ground due to the poison. But as she kind of like looks up, she sees an X marks the spot, which was mentioned in one of Jigsaw's previous recordings to them. It's a picture frame with an X on it, and they turn it around, and there's a picture on the back of Danny with his father, Eric. So this is where the characters inside the house realize that Danny is the son of Eric, and he's the son of the guy that put them all away in prison. So that kind of uh, turns some of the other characters uh, against Danny, such as Addison. She decides to go rogue herself. She says, I can't trust anybody. And basically she goes off. Laura just seizes up and dies in this moment. So she is now dead as well due to the poison. And all that's left now is Addison on her own, Xavier on her own, and Danny and Amanda together. They do a, a quick cut back to the lair. And Eric Matthews decides to basically go the bad cop technique and just start beating the shit out of John Kramer, you know, breaking all of his stuff. He breaks his fingers, like punch him in the head and stuff, puts a gun into his mouth. Um, they do a quick cut back to the house to kind of um, close the loop on Addison. She basically walks into a room and she's delirious at this point. You can tell poison's really affecting her. And this is another trap room. There's a glass box hanging from the ceiling with two holes in the bottom that you can kind of stick your hand through. And there's an antidote sitting in the middle of it. So she goes to stick her hand through. But the hole that goes through was these really sharp metal plates that kind of close around her wrist as she gets it up through. So she can't bring her hand back down. She's kind of got her hand trapped up there. So she just decides to put her other hand up there. So she's completely trapped and is now basically got herself stuck in there. She spills the antidote. So she couldn't even get it if she succeeded. And she's like cutting her all hands up. Looks really gross. And Xavier stumbles upon her, just looks at the back of her head for the number and goes on, leaves her there to die. So we either assume that she dies of blood loss or due to the poison. Never really find out. Um, back in the, the lair again, basically as Eric Matthews was beating up John Kramer, he says, all right, enough. I'll take you to the house. And there's this kind of secret elevator that they were standing in. Eric presses the button. The elevator goes down. All the other cops in there are like, oh, what's going on? Where are they going? And at the same time, the cops with their technology have managed to lock onto the signal of the screens that they were watching. So they think they're able to track down where the house is. So the SWAT team kind of goes off on their way towards the house. And we're led to believe that um, Eric and John Kramer are also going to the same house because Kramer's taking them there. So back in the house, it's just Amanda and Danny together and they're hiding away from Xavier. They end up back in that first room with the safe in it. And they realize that underneath this big heavy safe is a hatch that they can escape through. So, they, they kind of work together, push the safe out of the way. They jam that bat with nails in it into the door to try to keep Xavier from getting in for a little bit, slow him down. They get down through the hatch. Xavier gets through the door, you know, chases them down through the hatch. Kind of this weird chase scene of them going through the tunnels under the house. You're kind of like, you're led to believe this is a house, but then all of a sudden they're in these like really industrial Yeah, you're in these tunnels. industrial fucking tunnels. And if you'll recognize pretty quickly in this scene, they're actually the same tunnels from the first movie. And Danny and Amanda end up at the door 
to the original room from the first movie. This is kind of like the first twist of the movie where they end up back in that same room where Dr. Lawrence died and Adam died and all that stuff went down in the first movie. So they show them busting into there. Um, they also show real quick, Eric is now busting into the house and trying to track through the house to find them. He's calling out for his son. Um, Xavier gets down through the tunnel into that room with Amanda and Danny. And he basically tells him like, hey, I need the numbers off the back of your head. Amanda's like, well, how are you going to get the number off the back of your head? Which a simple solution there would be to be like, hey, why don't I tell you the number and look at it? But he can't really trust her because like he doesn't know. So Xavier just decides to take the knife to the back of his neck and slice off a big old flab of skin and then put that in his pocket to save for later. So he's got his own number ready to go. And after he does that, he goes after Danny and Amanda to try to get their numbers. Danny was kind of like slumped down, almost like playing dead, like he was already out of it. But he kind of jumps up quick, blocks Xavier, takes his knife, kills him with it. So Xavier's now dead. It's just Amanda and Danny in the room. And from here, it's kind of all the rest of it is following the perspective of Detective Eric Matthews. He's so kind wait, of going through the house. I got one what? more cut in the unrated. I believe I just caught right there. So how okay. how does Xavier die? Um, Danny slits his uh, throat with a knife. Okay, different. In my cut, uh, the hacksaw that was from the first movie is used to kill Xavier. Ooh. Yes. I kind of like that Danny more. Danny uses that. Danny, I believe, uses that to cut his neck with the hacksaw as opposed to his own knife. Maybe maybe that's what they did. They just cut him grabbing it because the way I saw it, and I probably is a difference in how they do it, is he just kind of like Xavier lunges at him with the knife. Danny grabs it either from his hand or just kind of like takes it from him and, and slits his throat with it. Ah, uh, okay. So, that may be a slight difference there. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that he uses the the bone saw more. That's, that's I did like cooler. that. I'm glad that they used that environment for a purpose other than just being like, whoa, it's the first movie. Right. Well, we'll get into a little bit what it all ties together as. So, yeah, like I said, it's now just Eric Matthews going through the house. He finds that first room with the hatch in it. It goes down through into the tunnels. And they also show the SWAT team arriving. And you're kind of led to believe that they're showing up at the same building just shortly after Eric Matthews is in there. And as the SWAT team goes through the building that they're in, they quickly realize they're not in the right house. They were basically just at a remote location that was broadcasting to Jigsaw's lair. So as a very easy kind of uh, bait and switch type situation. So the SWAT team's just in the completely wrong spot. But they realize now is that what they were seeing on the screen of all the people trapped in the house was actually a recording. It was not live. There was no immediate threat because everything that was happening on the screen in front of them had already happened. Um, so then we cut back to detective Matthews. He finds his way down to that original saw room. And when he goes in there, he sees that Xavier's body is still in there. He sees Adam's body is still in there and he sees in the bathtub, what appears to be another body. He thinks maybe is his son. So he slowly goes up to it, got his flashlight on it and the pig man returns pig mask jumps out of there. Stabs him in the leg with uh, some type of drug medicine, injects him with it, and Detective Matthews quickly like falls over, passes out, whatnot. Once we see Detective Matthews go down, cut back to the lair real quick, where there's like the one detective, she's still in there, and a safe opens, and it's revealed that Danny was actually in the safe that was shown in the room, it was in his lair the whole time. So Danny, the entire time that they were trying to find him, was actually safe and sound the whole time, which is actually what the jigsaw 
what does John Kramer said? What happened if uh, Eric Matthews would have just sat there and listened to him instead of overreacting? Which, well, he yeah. actually earlier said, um, well, I think I believe Detective Matthews asked, where's my son? And John responds, he's in a safe place. Yeah, exactly. And it's like just straight up told him he's in a safe. <laughs> yeah. And I think they show that safe in the layer two in like the corner of some frames, but you're not looking for it because you don't realize at the time that what was happening on the screen in the house was a recording. So you assume yeah, that the safe wouldn't be there. Yeah, there's a lot of double entendre wordplay with uh, the Jigsaw's messages, which I always like. It's pretty uh, on the nose in this movie. Um, right. So, yeah, Danny was safe the whole time. He was in the lair in the safe. And when Detective Matthews wakes up in that original saw room, there's a tape next to him. He's chained to a pipe by his leg. And he goes to play the tape. And it is a typical jibs- Jigsaw-style tape. However, it's Amanda's voice. And this is kind of the, the final plot twist. And that is that Amanda was in cahoots the whole time she was working with the jigsaw killer and she intends on carrying on his legacy by performing his work with the traps and games and all that stuff and it's just kind of uh you see a bunch of quick screenshots of other scenes of the movie kind of tying all together showing you how they basically reveal the plot to you already but you just didn't know it and that is uh the end of the movie and eric is now supposedly trapped in that room much like adam was at the end of the first movie Right. That, that is the long and short of Saw 2, Electric Boogaloo. And, John, I'll open up to you to maybe fill in some blanks. Um. Well, I think, honestly, you got almost all the major plot points. I can't really think of anything that was left out plot-wise of what happened. I mean, I think it's a pretty simple plot. This plot was, in my opinion, far more simple than the first oh, yeah. one. Um, it's just a matter of, I mean, the location and the the set was very simple in this one compared to the first one. The first one, it felt like it was happening in a hundred different places, whereas this one, it's mostly just there's a house with these people in it. There's a lair that has Kramer in it and maybe a couple other locations throughout the movie. That's really about it. Yeah. Um, like so- the initial re- scene, wherever that was. Yeah, to, to your comment, though, about the plot being simple, it is and it isn't, in my opinion, because they're able to incorporate a couple of those twists at the end. The fact that, oh, you know, what you thought was happening all at the same time actually happened before. Miranda right. is, you know, in cahoots and the fact that Danny was in the room the whole time with them. So I think they do a good enough job of keeping that typical saw really complicated. A lot of things tying together from different movies and everything else to also being very digestible, like you said, of a plot to just kind of power through in an hour and a half. Yeah, I will say that I, I feel like I I was able to turn my brain off a little more on this one compared to the first one. Um, a lot of the a lot of the scenes that happened in the house seem to be very linear. And as opposed to the first one, we don't really get a whole lot of linear shots with Adam and Dr. Larry when they're together. So in general, I feel like this one is just easier. It's just an easier movie. Like the first one was a little more convoluted. Not to say that this one isn't like, like you were saying earlier, it is a bit complicated with the delays and Oh fuck. Like Amanda is actually in on it this whole time. Um, you know, I, I feel like the characters in this one are far less, um, sympath- sympathetic. Like, I feel like I did not, particularly care about these characters compared to the first one 
because there's more of them in this one. And obviously the people that are in the house, they don't, they're not built up in any way. They are just there to execute their task or not. In a lot of cases, they don't, they fail miserably. I feel like that is the big difference between one and two. And I think in this one, we get a lot more of the, why is Jigsaw doing this? Um, In the first one, it wasn't exactly clear ever why he was doing it until maybe the very end but even then i was still not super satisfied so i will say i was a little more satisfied with you know getting some answers as to what is the backstory behind jigsaw like we did see a couple scenes where he was diagnosed with cancer he tried to drive himself off a cliff and i actually was joking to sauce i'm like this dude should have just driven himself off a cliff (laughs) when he got diagnosed and then he fucking did in the movie (laughs) and he and he survived somehow yeah so that that was really funny um I think like the stereotypes in this one are a little more the characters themselves are, are stereotypes between the oh, yeah. cop, the junkie, the, um, the Amanda, you know, she's a, she's a junkie too, but drug dealer, I don't know, the drug dealer, the, the testosterone head, the helpless blonde, you know, like the clueless brunette. Like, I don't know. This movie is a lot more of a, uh, in my opinion, it still very much has that early 2000s uh, feel all written all over it. But this time oh, yeah. there just weren't as many flip phones. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, I think I, I've been going back and forth on like, do I like this more than the first one? And I guess I'll kind of hold off just for now. But I've been going very much back and forth because they are different. But they have, like I said earlier, a very similar vibe. Um, I think they work pretty seamless between the two i just think this one is just simpler than the first one i just didn't find myself questioning what i'm actually looking at on screen like i did in the first one as much yep um, yep the, the, john the, the saw movies i don't want to say that their own their own genre but they have such a unique style when how, how they like to do it so um it, it is you know expected that this movie would be very similar to the first and kind of the the 2000 vibe of it right and before we get into our scores, I had just a couple of scenes and we actually, we could probably do our favorite scenes first, but yeah, sure. Scenes I want to rip through real quick are essentially all the death scenes in the movie, because it's kind of more than you think of after watching it, but they're all mostly underwhelming a little bit. So you get the first one of the guy, Michael in the very opening scene, dying in the Venus fly trap, head trap thing. Pretty good scene. Um, You get, you kind of assume that two of the SWAT guys die in that booby trap because it looks like the one guy gets his leg snapped, the other two get yeah, shot. Yeah, that, that dude seems to be dead. The electrical shock guy, I believe, was still alive. No, so I thought the guy who was, like, screaming in pain was the guy who got his leg snapped, and then, like, the two guys, two other guys in there with him got shocked, and you don't ever see them get up. Ah, so okay, all right. They don't matter. It doesn't matter. Either way, um, they're fucking nameless just SWAT guys that are yeah. dispensed of. Speaking of nameless people, you get the guy who doesn't get named, but you have to find out later his name's Gus. This yep. fat lawyer-looking guy dies immediately inside that first room. Yep. Um, the first Hilarious. trap is Obi, who dies in that furnace trap. Then Jonas just dies by getting in a fight with Xavier. Laura just fucking dies on the floor from the poison. Um, Addison walks right into a fucking trap and is left there to die, so you assume she's dead. I assume and- she bled out. Yeah, or either way, she was dying from the poison, so she was dead to yeah. rights regardless at that point, even before she walked into the trap. Um, Xavier gets killed by Danny, which you telling me that in the unrated, Danny pulls out the bone saw, kind of like that scene a little bit more. And, you know, we're, we're assuming that Eric Matthews is left to die in the original um, saw room. So that's just kind of the, the long and short of the deaths in this movie, but there's really not too many standout 
death scenes in this one that you kind of want to look for in a horror movie of like, wow, that one really was well done or brutal or whatever. But yeah, for me, I think the first, the opening scene was probably the most brutal trap and it set the standard. I'm like, Oh God, like they're just going to go for gruesomeness. Now the first one I wouldn't say was necessarily gruesome. Um, It was just very uh, implied uncomfortable levels of, you know, some shaky cam, sped up cam shots. And I'm glad that those went away a little bit other than fucking Obi in the oven where it came right back. Um, I did not like that death. I thought that was lame as fuck. Yeah. Um, but I feel as though the rest of them, they, they kind of got rid of that a little bit. And uh, I will say also that they brought up the fucking car mon, like nope. the fast car montage. <laughs> and I, I wrote in my notes, I wrote fast travel montage. This movie stinks. I cannot, I don't like those at all because they're, I just find them to be ridiculous. Um, I'll say for a fact, the fact that they just let John Kramer, the SWAT team comes in, the cops are in there and they just do not arrest him. They just let, they just leave him alone. They put handcuffs on him and they're, I'm like, why are we not taking this guy to a a controlled facility right now? That's that's kind of explained right away. They do read him his Miranda rights too. Like they they act like they're gonna take him in, and then like they're gonna about to take him away. And then Kramer's like, "Wait, I don't know if you want to do that." But yeah, I won't he's be able pretty to tell much about like, what's on the other side of the room. Yeah, so. he's like, "Look over there." He's like, "I might, I like, I've got this all planned out. Like you guys are gonna play right into my game." And they did. And I didn't think it. I don't think that's how a SWAT team would actually handle a situation like this. I feel as though they would take him in first to to get him out of that room because they don't know what other type of traps are laying around this True. facility. Um, but they all just kind of just hang out there for hours. And I understand there's a clock ticking with this dude's son there, so he doesn't want to take any chance that he's going to kill his son. Right. Um, I personally just I thought that that was kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that. A little weak. Um, I don't know. It, it just it, it, the whole time, like once again, I was kind of just questioning the police. Um, well, that's that's every horror movie, John. We've been over this. Cops are yep, dumbasses yep. in horror Definitely movies. Definitely. Yep. And Saw 2 is no different. Um, yep. I, 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 I will say, too, like I like how Jigsaw, he says that the reason he takes the, the Jigsaw piece of skin or flash off of his victims is because it symbolizes their missing survival instinct. I'm glad that we got some resolution to that. Um, cause in the first one that did kind of piss me off that there was really no particular reason he was doing that other than that's his name. Um, but I, I still just, as a, in general, I just disagree with this dude's moral, uh, quandary with, I, by putting people like the first guy, for example, he is a police informant. Um, I don't think he's that bad of a guy compared to say like Xavier, who's a drug dealer or some of these other people that he's got locked up, like Obi, who's willing to kidnap people. Um, It seems to me like that dude got the most raw deal simply by being an informant. He gets put in this trap where he has to dig out his own eyeball, which is a task that I think probably like 90% of people would fail. Um, I feel like he gets away from the survival instinct a little bit there. I feel like the trap is impossible. The, The needle trap was almost impossible. I will say the trap with the wrists where she's the one, the brunette just shoves her hands in there uh, was the low point of the movie for me that and, and and fucking the, the blonde girl just being pointless as fuck. Um, Just super underwhelming. Like you said, the deaths were underwhelming. Those two in particular uh, are three really um, for me were, I couldn't stand how stupid these people were. 
nobody even helped Obi. I understand that. Uh, but people were still like concerned, but they offered zero help to him. Yeah. Uh, the blonde girl, she just fucking dies and contributes nothing to this movie. Um, and the brunette stupidly just shoves her hands right into this trap. Not only did she shoves her first hand in there, but then when she gets her first hand stuck, she thinks it's a good idea to stick her other hand into the exact same trap. And that had to have been the dumbest part of the movie for me personally. So I understand it's, it's definitely really stupid when you watch it, you got to kind of put your mind in that headspace of like, okay, she's basically on hour two of this poison. She's near death. She sees there's an yeah, antidote in there. So. She's uh, delirious. She's probably not desperate. taken straight. I understand yeah. that, but, but yeah, um, it is I very think stupid. Just the way they shot it and they built up this character, I'm like, what a fucking dummy! Like, <laughs> she cuts up her wrist right away, and then her other thing, her other way to do it is to essentially just you know trap herself in this room for the rest of the time and die yeah. either by bleeding out or by uh, this toxin gas. Um, I think the toxin gas, like as a plot device was interesting um but it just it's kind of hard to visualize how they're all doing they just kind of cough and you kind of just have to imagine like oh these people are just struggling right now other times in the movie i'm like how is xavier still going strong but this blonde chick is struggling i understand they're two different body types but um i i wasn't super convinced by that i, th- I thought it was like a, a interesting and that was different from the first one um but in general i'm kind of uh, uh, i'm in a very similar state of mind as i did in saw one i sh- for every thing that they did better in saw two they did something a little bit worse whether it's the acting or i don't know i, I don't know how you feel how did you feel about like saw two compared to saw one just in general well- it seems like you're kind of been teasing long enough. Do you want to just go right into our, our scores now? We can. Well, I can, you kind of wanted to do favorite scenes first, and I could give you my favorite scene. But let's I, do that. Okay. Like, let's not jump the gun. We're we're kind yeah. of close to the climax here, but let's, no, let's take so, care of some business. No, I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll I'll rip right through this. So I'll say my favorite scene in this one was actually what I thought was one of the few moments of comedy. Um, like in Saw One, we had Adam who brought a lot of comedy and levity to the situation. This one didn't really have that, in, in my opinion. Uh, but there was one scene that was unintentionally hilarious that got me cracking up. And that is when fucking Donnie Wahlberg uh, has just had it up to here with Jigsaw. And uh, he just fucking just takes his fingers and just breaks his fingers and shoves them back very rapidly. That shit had me fucking cackling. <laughs> uh, that was so out of place and it did not fit in tone. And John Kramer, like, screaming in pain was just like, out of fucking left field and uh that scene i would i was not expecting that but that really cracked me up um so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that breaking jigsaw's fingers was hilarious uh, it was no it's a really good choice um yeah because like the whole time jigsaw is being very you know stoic very calm yeah he's got complete control of the situation yep you know and all of a sudden he just gets his finger snapped and he just like oh my god yeah, it was it. The acting in that was hilarious. Like I did not expect that. So that for sure, uh, by a country mile, was my favorite scene in this movie. Um, right. Do you have yours? Yep. Um, I feel like we're gonna take some of the good ones away from Sauce, but whatever he picks, he picks. We won't be able to kind of get his decision until later on. I'm taking the scene where Xavier just tosses Amanda right in the needle pit. That's yep. unintentionally funny and also pretty gruesome. Like that whole scene's very unsettling. Like imagining landing on a bunch of needles. And having to sift through it 
and the whole way they kind of build up to it, I kind of liked. But just the the idea of Xavier picking her up and eating her in there, I, I just find pretty funny too. So yeah, that's that's one of the better traps that they set in this movie, and it, okay, it delivers. Yep, I, I I agree with that. I, and have you seen that one before? I remember seeing that's like, oh, this is one of horror's most disgustingly like difficult scenes to watch. And uh, I would say it is it is fairly disgusting. I do not enjoy seeing people being. She was, I mean, she probably had like twenty different needles in her when she was in there, just fucking wafting through like yeah all these needles, and she's screaming the whole time, kind of similar to Texas Chainsaw. So yeah, it's a good selection. I, I would say that is probably one of the more notable scenes or memorable scenes from saw um, Deuce. real quick john i want to get your thoughts on one more scene that was kind of basically my honorable mention so where detective matthews makes his way into the original saw room and is kind of looking at the uh the tub and sees yep. that there's like a body in there and what is essentially a jump scare of the pig man jumping out and hitting him with the drugs i yep. knew it was coming because i've seen it before so it didn't have the same effect on me this time around but i remember vi- like very vividly remember being terrified of that scene was a pretty good jump scare. And then the pig man came back with a scary mask. So what did you think okay. of that being that as your first time watch of it? Um, it was, it was definitely, I I'm trying to think back. I, I don't remember my exact reaction to that scene. Um, I was just more bewildered that there was a pig man in this movie because I was wondering where the pig man, the pig men were this whole time. Yep. Cause I thought he was, they were kind of a staple to the franchise. And uh, I was, it did catch me off guard, but I wouldn't say that it was like the best jump scare in the world. Um, but I could see being at a much younger age, being frightened by that motherfucker popping out of there. Right. And uh, the fact that it was a chick, I honestly, the Amanda, the Amanda reveal to me, I was trying to figure out why when the movie started, she goes and searches for this tape and she knows exactly where the tape is right away. And I guess it gets explained by the reveal that she's in cahoots with Jigsaw this whole time. Um, but I thought that scene was maybe a little bit underwritten. I would have liked a better excuse as to why she just decided to look through the bricks or why no one really held her to it. They did ask why she knew that was there. Um, but she didn't really give a whole, a very convincing reason as to how she knew about that. Um, but I guess they did foreshadow it a little bit right then and there, but that was kind of the only real point where maybe you could have suspected that. I just thought it was a bit on the nose. Yep. Um, I I can see that. Um, Again, obviously, since I knew what was going to happen, I kind of paid a little closer attention to how to they Amanda. used her throughout the movie, knowing yeah. that she was, you know, behind it all. And I think they it's clear that they wanted to kind of keep cutting to her in certain situations. And you're if you're if you don't know, you're like, why do they keep showing her? And yeah. you can have the same questions of like, why did she know where to look? And she kind of seems like she knows what she's doing, which you could explain away that okay, she's been in a jigsaw trap before, so she has some reason to know and they do a couple flashbacks showing her like escaping the first one so they reveal that it is the same chick but like you said right away you don't actually know if it's your first time so yeah her her role i think could have been better for her ending up being essentially the villain at the end you know i don't know if we want to do that real quick but would you say that the villain is her or jigsaw um it's it's a tie because they're really both doing the same bidding of the entity of jigsaw it's just John Kramer happens to be one guy. He's the original guy doing it. Um, and she's the protege. So really, I yep. think they're they're equally evil. I think in this movie, it's still... When I think back on this movie, I think John Kramer still is the main villain of this because he he's the one being interrogated. He's the one that kind of put this plan into action. Yep. And he's responsible for Amanda. Um, I guess in the interest of the spreadsheet, it would be easier to say Amanda is the villain. Mm-hmm. But... Um, 
I, I personally still think it's still John Kramer. I think this is just, yep. you know, I, his, his other iteration of his game. Yep. I'm on board with having our first repeat villain on the spreadsheet. Yeah. Obviously it's a sequel to the movie. So it makes sense that it's the same villain from the first one. And okay. there is a case to be made about Amanda, but essentially at the end of the movie, it's implied that this is like the passing of the torch. So for this movie, you would probably still say John Kramer and, you know, yeah. I'm not going to spoil anything for the next one, but let's say if it's all Amanda in the next one, then maybe we can give it to her then. <laughs> all right. I like that. Um, so yeah, there's our villain. We fucking nabbed him. Uh, yep. Shall we nominate a Giuseppe? Yep. Let's get that out of the I, way and then let's wrap it up with some scores. I, I couldn't agree more. So I think this is a, uh, this is a bit tricky because I think there are multiple guys in this that act like Giuseppe's. A lot of characters. Um, a lot of characters and none of them are quite important and they're all kind of weird in their own little Giuseppe ways. But for me, it's got to be Giuseppe Gus. Yep. Uh, that, that motherfucker so strictly existed to just get blasted by a handgun and immediately <laughs> die. We never learn his name. He has no bearing on the movie other than the fact that he is has a number on the back of his head. I mean, I don't think you can ask for a more Giuseppe moment than this dude just <laughs> immediately panicking and then dying. Uh, in the most, I would say, probably like tame way, uh, I mean, just a handgun, just getting just getting shot is like hilarious. I don't know why, but the way that they shot that, and then they just kind of like keep a camera on his dead body. Everyone's frightened, and I'm like, me and Sauce were fucking dying, laughing. We're like, who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> uh, so I, for me, I think he's a stone cold lock. Um, but there are others, like you can argue, like Xavier, uh, fucking um, the other guy, um, Jonas, Jonas, and Obi all have. Very Giuseppe-like qualities. I think um, Obi does, too. Obi would be my honorable mention. Um, yeah. Because he, he has a little bit more of a role enough, and he's kind of a schemer. You know, he kidnapped Laura. Yeah. So. I think I'll he just gets outclassed, of, you know. Yeah. He was outnumbered, basically. He was going to die anyway. If the, if he didn't die in that trap, the people were probably going to kill him anyway because they realized he was a bad guy. Yeah. He didn't have the, oh. he didn't have the survival instinct, that motherfucker. Another, so another one too was the, the SWAT team leader, the one who was always trying to push Eric to do the bad cop routine and start beating up Kramer. He's like, come on, man, this ain't working. You know, we gotta, we gotta go the old school way and beat him up with phone books, you know? So yep. I, I, I thought the, uh, the leader of the SWAT team, um, I, he actually is named in the credits. Let's see if I can His find that. His name is actually right. Giuseppe. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I, th- I think we're on the same page, though. We'll, we'll say that it is uh, old Gussie yeah. boy. I, I feel as though Sauce will be on board, but we'll, we'll see what he has to say. Yeah, um, I mean, it's in the name. Is, is Gus not short for Giuseppe? I, it, could, it could very well be. I mean, the dude <laughs> earned it, no doubt. Yeah. So we can, book, we can book Gus here, Gus the lawyer. All right. Um, yeah, he looks like a lawyer. Um, I, I, real quick, I think I got it. Rig. I believe Rig is the name. Riggs is the name of the, uh, the SWAT uh, team leader. Yeah, fucking typical name for a cop. You first or me? Who wants to give their score? Uh, I think I'll lead us off. I, I just got a couple last notes here that maybe I just didn't tap on. Uh, um, so right away, I, I feel like this movie is very similar to Saw 1. Um, it just seems to be a bit more straightforward in what they're what they're trying to show you in terms of like a uh, like what's actually happening on screen. It's just very obvious. Uh, there's a little bit less of a mystery going on in this one. There is a mystery to be had, but I just feel like a lot of a lot of this is more superficial level, a little more about the spectacle, a little bit more about how how this one's a little bit more graphic and the traps are a bit more bloody and um, the characters themselves are just to counter that though the characters are dumber um, 
they're dispensable. I don't give a fuck when one of them dies, to be honest with you. Uh, Danny Boyce seems to be the only real sympathetic character in this. Everybody else I could fucking do without. I thought that fucking Donnie Wahlberg was like serviceable, but I wouldn't say that he was any better than the first two guys from cell one being Dr. Larry or Adam. I think he's probably like a, a step down from those two guys. Um, he's very typical. Again, just the stereotypes in this movie really are what's memorable about it. Um, the needle scene, definitely memorable. Jigsaw getting his fingers snapped was hilarious. Um, the comedy aspect was definitely lacking in this one. And I think Adam was a bright spot in the first one for me because he brought that, uh, the jigsaw puppet really didn't have, he was just kind of a cameo. He just shows up really quick for a second, never comes back again, even though he's in the movie poster. Um, so maybe a bit misleading there, but he does his typical fucking shtick where he just kind of rolls up on a strike and looks spooky. Uh, I was definitely frustrated by not putting Kramer in a cop car. Uh, for some, I understand after you talked about it a little bit here, uh, that did irk me a bit. Um, I immediately identified Gus as a Giuseppe when I was watching this live and writing notes down uh, as soon as he got his head blown off. Jigsaw, the, the backstory was cool. I think I liked that a little bit. I liked getting some of the questions answered from number one. Obi couldn't give a fuck le- uh, less or more, I guess you could say. I, I couldn't give a fuck about that motherfucker when he died. Felt no remorse for him dying. He Apparently, so he throws in this line that he is testing the fabric of human nature. I don't think putting a key behind someone's eyeball necessarily testing the fabric of human nature. I think that's just being a bit sadistic in my mind. I think that that did irk me a little bit about his morality. The reason behind this, all these fucking games, like to me, that just seems ridiculous. I don't really buy that. But uh, a bit literal though, if you, if you take it, John, you know, the fabric of human nature is skin. So he was testing it by making him cut through his own skin. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just the eyeball, like I just thought, I just thought that was a very, very tall task. I'm glad that when you started this off, you kind of agreed me and sauce were in, dead agreement with me that that was like an impossible task. And I think most people would just fucking just, all right, I lost. I'm not, I'm not ripping out my own eyeball to fucking find a key. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you're better off um, slitting your own throat. Yeah, for real. I, I thought that I didn't like that, but the traps, a vis- it's a, it's a visual fucking thing to get you to be like, Oh shit, this one's, you know, firing off the acting. Like I said, wasn't great. Uh, I thought Amanda, you know, they, they cut to her slitting her wrist and for me, I feel like that's the number one sign that his tests just aren't working because he's trying to sh- give people a reason to live. He's trying to show these people that you are squandering your life. Kramer's whole thing is, uh, I'm putting you in this trap because you are a piece of shit human being who doesn't appreciate your own life and you should be leaving, leading a more grateful and gratuitous lifestyle. Well, Amanda on multiple occasions has shown slitting her own wrists just proving like my theory from the first one that if I had gone through that reverse bear trap, I would be more quick to just jump off a bridge with the trauma that I'm dealing with because of that than actually want to be his fucking protege and carry this out to others. It just doesn't buy Amanda's story doesn't vibe with me that I'm not, I haven't been doing well since the first one. So I need to go back to this guy that gave me that trauma and I will be given purpose by carrying out the jigsaw acts. Like just for me, I just don't really buy that story. Okay. Um, real real quick, I, I John. I, I, I do think, and I could be wrong here, but I think it's implied that her cutting her wrist was before she got 
brought into his first trap from the first movie. So I don't think she cut herself after that. I think that was implied to be before, but I could be wrong on that. So uh, okay, I I assumed that she cut her hair following the events of the first one and the interrogation with the police and everything like that. Now she looks different because she dyed her hair and she's cutting her wrist. I might be wrong on that. Just either way, I I just don't really like the whole the backstory of why she's carrying on with Kramer. I would have liked a little bit more of a reason as to why she's doing that. Other than the fact that she's just not mentally well. Um, so I didn't really like that. The needle trap. I didn't like the fact that we don't know what the reward was other than it's loosely implied. You might get an antidote. Um, regardless, I wasn't just a huge fan of the setup for that scene. I thought that's the carrying out or the execution of it was definitely disgusting and brutal, which is what this movie's going for. What else? I didn't like the fucking fast motion travel montage. That really pissed me off. Yeah, we know. Um, we know. Yep. I'm just I'm just hitting all the, the final notes. Yeah, either way, I feel very similar about to about this movie than the first one. I can't say that it's a whole lot better or a whole lot worse. So I think what I'm going to do is I gave original Saw 1.6. I think I'm going to give this one a 1.5 just because the acting wasn't quite as straight straightforward for me. Yeah, I don't know. In general, this one's just kind of in the same ballpark. Not not a whole lot better, not a whole lot worse. But yeah, maybe just ever so slightly a step down. This so is, yeah, 1.5. It's about what I expected, John. So, you know, you're not surprising me too much here. I was actually, way you were talking there at the end, I thought you were just going to give it a same score. So thought that would yeah. be interesting if you just kind of threw I mean, them all together. If you just, it'd be kind of funny if you just ranked every Saw movie the same. That'd be, that'd be a little bit you I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's just these two for me were very similar in how yep. I felt at the end of it. So 1.5. That's fair. And I'm not surprised that this second one didn't drastically change your mind about, you know, the Saw series in general or like kind of provide a, a major improvement or, you know, worsening of your score. So it makes sense. I think you're pretty fair in your assessment here. So, you know, kind of similar story to Saw 1. We're going to be on this different side of it. I yep. still like these movies in general more, and my personal bias will come through in my scoring, as it already has in the first one. Yep. Um, I won't go too long here, but I do want to talk about some of the loose ends because for a series that prides itself on kind of tying it all together, there's a lot of loose ends in this movie that, some do get brought back in the future. Some don't. But for the most part, there's a lot of stuff that goes unanswered. Um, a lot of it has to do with some of these bullshit characters they threw in. And we'll we'll start with Gus. And the thing with the characters is all eight of them, Jigsaw says, has something in common, which is seven of them were put away by Detective Matthews. And, you know, and right. then Danny is his son, so that's all their connection. But you never find out what Laura did. She just says, what does it matter? You never find out what Gus did because he's on the screen for two seconds. Um, Jonas kind of loosely says what he did. Um, but you, it's just kind of like this weird thing. Like Laura does not belong. Like she does not look like the rest of the characters or act like them. And then she just dies and she never says why she got in trouble that, you know, why she would have gotten arrested by detective Matthews. So a couple of these characters just don't make sense. And I wish they could have done more with them. Um, like you said about that needle scene, you know, there's not much of a resolution to the poison trap. And all of that, like it's another one of those where it's just designed for failure. So in general, I still like the pacing of the movie. I Like I said, it's an hour and a half. It, it's pretty fast paced, goes scene to scene. You can follow it pretty easily. And then the end kind of makes sense of a lot of things. Not all of them, unfortunately. 
I do like that the fact that it plays off the first movie. So if you can get some enjoyment out of the first one, I think you'll enjoy the second one as well. Overall, I think I will agree with your take that some of the acting isn't great in this one because the more characters you add, the more likely it is you're just going to get some bad acting, especially when these characters weren't written very well. Not right. even like the lines were bad, but just just the characters themselves weren't great. So I'm going to go ahead and give this movie 3.5. Okay. And I'm going to be happy with it because I still think it's a good movie. I would still recommend somebody to go watch it. I would actually recommend this movie, even if you haven't watched the first one, I don't think you need to watch the first one to understand this one. Would you agree with that, John? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, maybe this, the, the final scene in the, in the bathroom won't hit you, but I mean, and also John Kramer just kind of giving himself up right away. You're yep. kind of just wondering why would you do that without? So, I mean, it is established that he has cancer very, very well in this one, but I, I think you could probably watch this one without the first one. It just might not hit you. I don't know. Maybe you just don't appreciate the setting. If the setting just means nothing to you, but right. So there, there's a lot of police and detective involvement in this one, and this one almost feels like an extended NCIS, you know, CSI yeah, type, like a special. Hour and a half long special episode, and they rated it R. You know, it's it's yeah. really got that vibe. If you start to look into it and peel back some layers, it just got feels a like a cop. 2000 cop show, which yeah. is just rated R. And yeah, it's a good plot, you know, or Criminal Minds. I've always liked the show Criminal Minds. It's got that twisted nature to it, just adding the gore and you know, kind of that next levelness to it. So yeah, that's where it starts to lose me. However, I'm biased. I'm still going to like the movie, and I still think it actually is a pretty good stepping stone for the series itself. So I'm happy yeah. with the 3.5. Now, before we get too far, John, I think we'll we'll save this spot here for Sauce to give his thoughts. Again, if you're just catching this part of the episode now, Sauce has not been with us. He's our third co-host, and he's not available today. So he's going to record his thoughts after the fact. We're going to edit it in post. And as you're listening now, you'll hear it now. What's going on, everyone? My name is Austin, also known as Sauce. I am here to talk about my thoughts for the movie Saw 2. Um, and just a little background. So um, reason I was not there for the recording, I unfortunately did have the suds. Um, I believe at the time I had COVID. I am just getting over multiple illnesses. I had COVID. Um, then like a week or two after, had some sort of viral infection. So been battling through some shit, but I am here to talk about Saw 2 and um, give my thoughts. So I guess I will start from um, the beginning. I'll start with what my thoughts are on the Saw 2 movie poster. And essentially what I'm looking at here is a a picture of Jigsaw. um, Very yellow grain, which is kind of very Saw-esque. But it's a picture of Jigsaw. We have um, Saw 2 written out in very scratch lettering, kind of clawed out. Um, with two dead-looking fingers and a, a caption, oh, yes, there will be blood. Um, I'm actually kind of a fan of this one. I think it's uh, pretty well done. Um, kind of unique with the the different scratch marks that are and the fingers and uh, jigsaw. So I'm definitely a fan of it. I'm going to give it a solid 3.4. Um, I think it's, it's a good-looking poster, and, um, you know, I enjoy it. Um, but really wanted to jump into my thoughts now of the movie. I'll try to be as quick as possible, uh, make this a quick little segment for my thoughts. But overall, um, 
the movie itself I thought was a little bit underwhelming in comparison to the, the first Saw movie. I definitely don't think I'm going to score it as high. Um, I don't think the concept was extra, as strong with um, John Kramer in this movie. In this movie, he's kind of playing a role where he is um, really in rough shape. He is dying out. Um, he kind of really doesn't do too much in this movie. So I thought it was a little bit weaker. He did His plans didn't seem as elaborate um, in the first one. Um, I do think that the, uh, the kill scenes though were really good throughout this movie. Um, some of the ones that come to mind were when Amanda gets, well, not, I guess not a kill scene, but the first immediate scene for me that comes to mind was Amanda getting thrown away in that pile of needles, just a really brutal scene. And she's just digging through that pile of needles, just getting stabbed constantly. And Xavier, that kind of junky bodybuilder looking dude throws her in there, just a total douchebag move. I thought that scene was really good. Um, definitely the opening scene as well, which doesn't really have any relevance to the movie, but um, you're greeted with that um, unnamed character who is, um, again, thrown in the, the game room, for say. Um, there's a key planted in his eye, and um, he has to dig the key out of his eye. Otherwise, he's going to get caught in this bear trap. So I thought that was a very brutal and gruesome scene just to start off the movie. Um, and just really well done. Um, some of the other scenes, some of them are a little bit more underwhelming. Um, the one that comes to mind was the chick. Um, and I don't remember her name, but she shoved her hands in, um, kind of like a scissor trap towards the end of the movie. I thought that one was really stupid. Um, so I was not a fan of that one. Um, and then the scene with Obi where he gets essentially burned alive in a furnace. That was also a, a pretty rough one. It was pretty gruesome. Um, I'm sure there's some ones that I'm missing and it's been a couple weeks since I've watched the movie, but overall I thought a lot of the kill scenes were actually pretty gruesome in this movie. Um, they kind of played on the concept as well of a lot of like backstabbing. They have a bunch more people at this time in the room, the main room, um, which is filled with gas. I also was not really a fan of that concept, by the way, did not like the, um, the gas, um, and just slowly killing them. I thought that was kind of a little bit lame. Uh, but it was much more of a bigger group, a lot more people. And I thought the acting was not nearly as good as the first one. Um, just kind of a lot of stupid actors, a lot of chicks in the movie that didn't play very big roles. Um, so overall, I thought that was definitely a downside of the movie. Overall, I thought the acting was a, a downside in comparison to the first movie. I thought Jake, John Kramer did not play as big of a role in this movie compared to the first one. And then I, I guess you can say as well, the ending, the ending was kind of a shock. So Amanda being behind it all, she goes through the games, even though she's the one behind it. That was a, a total shock. I feel like that's definitely a theme that I've noticed on both the movies is there is always a, a huge twist at the end that kind of keeps you hooked and looking forward to the next one. So that was really unique. I thought the kid actor did a, a decent enough job. I'm just getting his name pulled up here now. Yeah, I think um, just talking on Daniel, the, the kid's name, I thought he did a, an okay job acting. He didn't really play a huge role. Um, I If I had to pick who I thought the best actor was, it's definitely um, good old Donnie Wahlberg. I thought he did an okay job being that detective role. I, I thought the funniest scene for sure was him snapping the shit out of um, John Kramer's finger um, towards the end of the movie. That was pretty funny. He literally beat the shit out of Jake Saw, so... That's definitely out there for one of my um, favorite scenes of the movie. And I think that's what I'm going to jump into next would be my favorite scene. 
And I think my favorite scene, I'm going to have to go to Amanda fighting through the uh, the sea of needles there to try to find one of the antidotes. I just think that's one of the most brutal scenes. I can't imagine myself being in that situation where you're just literally thrusted in a pile of needles and literally trying to find a needle in a pile of needles. So it was uh, it was just a fuck scene. And just the fact that Xavier picked her up and threw her in it, she didn't have a choice. And then just the fact, af- after the fact, that you know that she was a part of the games and still went through that was even more crazy. So I just think that scene stands out to me the most. Um, definitely going to it, pick it as my nomination for my favorite scene. And then honorable mention to uh, Donnie Wahlberg breaking the shit out of John Kramer's finger and beating the shit out of him. That was also hilarious. Um, so there's my favorite scene. I definitely think the villain of the movie is pretty obvious. It still has to go to Jigsaw, but he is on the way out in this movie. So like I mentioned, thought it was weaker, um, but I'll give the honorable mention to him. So want to pick my as well, Giuseppe of the movie and, um, did do a little bit of background on this one. I did look to see what John and Chris put for their Giuseppe. And I do have to agree that, um, the character Gus in the movie at the very beginning, when they're all gathered in the first room, um, he's just a total goofball and just does exactly what he should not do and opens the door that is half cracked when he knows he shouldn't and just immediately pays the price, gets his blown, his brains blown out like a total of just goofball. So um, that's up there. He's going to be my Giuseppe nomination. I will match John and Chris there for sure. And I think that just about covers it besides the the main event here, my score. Um, so as far as saw one, I did give saw one a 4.5 is up there for one of my favorite movies is up there at the top. Um, but I do think this movie is a bit of a letdown. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't feeling this movie as much. The acting was kind of shit. Um, I didn't like the concepts as well, um, between the gas and the the bigger group. I don't know. I I was just not feeling this one as much, but I'm going to give this movie a, Probably just a solid 2.9. I think this is a big step down in comparison to the first one. And just was not feeling this one as much. It was really, I think, the acting. The acting was bad in this one. So just didn't compare. I didn't feel the vibes the same. And going to stick with that. Um, but I think that's just going to about just gonna about do it. I uh, I rated the, the poster. I did... Um, Favorite scenes, I did my Giuseppe, the villain, and a rating. So I think that will just about do it for me. And uh, thanks for listening to my thoughts. And if we're going back to John and Chris, great. If not, go fuck yourself. All right. So that is Sauce on Saw 2. Hopefully he agreed with everything I said and called John a dumbass because that's what John said last time. We had to cut in my audio. He called me a dumbass, basically. So um, that'll... Almost put a bow on it. John, you got anything else for us real quick on Saw? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I also just wanted to call out, like, there was just one scene I forgot to mention that just kind of was lazy writing. So right away, um, Donnie Wahlberg, the whole plot is essentially founded on the fact that while he was sleeping, he just so happened to remember the manufacturer on the side of the the Venus flytrap. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who would ever remember in a dream a manufacturer that Jigsaw just so happens to be chilling in? Like, for me, I was like, there's no reason why he should be remembering mid-dream. He should just be on the scene and notice and recognize that name. 
right away. And I think any good detective would have seen that and noticed it right away. I mean, it, it's fucking evidence on this guy. Um, just that that particular scene, it, it, it set up the whole rest of the movie to so understand why it needed to happen. But holy fuck, they could have done a little bit better job with yep. transitioning John, to the to the factory, you know? Yep. I, I agree with you actually 100%. I made a quick mention of it at the start of the, the plot summary there that he just has this miraculous vision in his sleep. And in the first movie, they do a decent enough job where you got that one detective sap, I believe, isn't it? Tap. He, he was like just mulling over the footage like like an obsessed person. He kind of sees one small detail in the corner. That makes sense as to how they ended up in his lair in the first movie. In this yeah. one, obviously, if you understand it right, you know, Jigsaw wanted them to come to his lair. It's like it was, all, it was all part of his grand scheme. But the way that they made Detective Matthews realize that's where they needed to go was very stupid. And I 100% yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. So that that I just wanted to call out. And, and also, I personally don't think a guy with cancer – can afford all these traps that he sets up. Like, I don't think it's ever established where this dude's bankroll is coming from. Um, but holy fuck, he's loaded. And I don't think he's strong enough to set up any of these fucking traps. But Amanda is helping them. I can at least explain some of that away with, he at least has another helper, an able-bodied helper with him doing this shit. And he's getting, he's contracting Obi to kidnap people. So there's a bit of an explanation there, but fucking... He can't even walk to the sink to get himself a glass of water, let alone craft a fucking needle pit. I mean, I just a little bizarre yeah. and a bit of a bit of a reach with some of the setup of this shit. But I'm willing to excuse that in the name of just, you know, seeing crazy shit on screen. So, yep, that's kind of one of those things they expect you to look past. And in both movies, they kind of imply that he essentially extorts these people to help him and yeah. probably scams these people for money or other people for money. But yeah, they, they definitely don't address that ever. And it's just one of those yeah. things they hope you look right past and don't ever think about. Yeah. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see if maybe if we, once we get to saw three, eventually, um, will there be a, a dumber decision from a contestant than this girl shoving both her hands into a trap? <laughs> uh, that is for sure. One of the dumbest decisions I have seen uh, in a movie, but overall I do think that it's like, there is enough intrigue just to keep following along. Like it did, it did keep my interest because I wanted to see what would happen, which I think is what this movie does well. Um, but I mean, if you think too hard about some of this shit, I think it will crumble. So, yep. For anyone looking for a, a, a mind fuck of a movie, uh, look elsewhere. If you're looking for gratuitous on-screen uh, craziness, I think this is your this is your style. Which, Chris, I think you like. I think that's kind of yep. your brand of horror is a little bit of the shock and a little bit of the spectacle. So yep. if you're into that shit, I would recommend watch Saw 2. If you watch Saw 1 and liked it, you would probably also like Saw 2. Um, so overall, that's those are my last final thoughts, and we can put a bow on Good. fucking Saw Deuce. Yep. Um, I'm sure you've had enough of talking about this movie, but I'm looking forward to talking about Saw 3, hoping that one will win a marble race soon. That'll do it for Saw 2 for this episode. But yep. talking about marble races real quick, I will talk about next week's movie. It did not win the marble race. It won a poll, our first ever poll on Instagram, where you, the listener, got an opportunity to provide some feedback to us on what you'd like to hear us talk about. So we pitted up two classics against each other. Um, Scream, OG Scream, which actually there's another Scream movie coming out. I forgot to mention that early on. I'm looking forward to the new Scream that I've seen a, a couple clips about. Correct. Scream um, in the city. Yep. So it was Scream versus American Psycho. And American Psycho won in a landslide. 
And that actually means we get a special guest for that episode. We have a particular buddy who uh, wanted to see that movie and may have stuffed the ballot box to get that one to win, but <laughs> he's going to reap what he sows when he joins us next week. So look forward to our boy Evdog and uh, American Psycho next week right. for episode 17. Also, I've never I wanted- seen that. I want to preface this, that both these were uh, suggested movies that um, a couple of friends, a couple of local schemers uh, wanted to throw in the fucking marble pool uh, screen. We'll definitely get another chance and it will still be re-entered into the marble pools. We will continue to sort of alternate. Um, I haven't really decided yet how we want to do it, but we will do kind of a mixed bag of marbles, races and polls. Uh, but we, I really wanted to get these two out there because I, I think that they're both pillars of horror. And um, I'm excited to talk about both of them uh, whenever they happen. But American Cycle will be happening first. I'm excited to have Evdog on the podcast. Give us his fucking thoughts. Evdog is a character. Uh, so he will be... Um, I know he's passionate about American Psycho. And I, I myself, um, I am a fan of the movie. So I, I will be letting... Uh, I will be spilling the beans a little bit here. But as a quick teaser, I, I think it's a great one. Um, mm. A lot of comedy in this one. And uh, I've seen this one maybe five times, six times over the course of my life. Um, Chris, have, have you seen this before or no? I have not, John. I've seen some of the typical memes and clips that make their way around as like reactions. To, Very like, memeable movie, this one. But that is it. I have not seen it. I don't really know the plot at all. Okay. Um, big fan of Christian Bale, though. So I, I'm kind of going into it with that bias that I love him and pretty much anything he's in. So I'm excited for that aspect of it. Okay. And um, yeah, a lot more to say. So we're hoping okay. Sauce is doing better. And we're hoping that you enjoyed episode 16, Saw 2. Okay. Fucking yes. Um, I will also tease uh, Infinity Pool one last time. I really want some hype around this because Possessor and Cut did not get the fucking box office it deserved. And I have high expectations for Infinity Pool now that we're not during COVID. Yep. So. Uh, I just wanted to shout that out one last time. By the time this is released, it will be in theaters. So I can't stress to you more. I have a lot of faith in this director. It's got a fucking stellar cast by the look of it uh, with Mia Goth in there. Um, There's a couple other. I think Alexander Skarsgård from The Northman's in there. Um, So go fucking watch that if you want to go to the movies. If you're looking for a flick, I think the Horror Fiends podcast uh, is, is strongly, without even seeing it, endorsing you to go check that movie out. And you're in good hands. Regardless yep, of what type a, of horror you're into. This is a rare endorsement from me where I have not seen it yet, but I'm just going to tell you to go fucking watch it because yep. I have the same thing, John, high expectations and um, keep my yep. hopes up high. So yep. we'll stay tuned for that. That one will probably end up on our uh, on our show here soon because we just want to fucking talk about it. We want to go see it. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. For now, it is time for us to go away again. Until next time. Fuckers.